0: The NHL plans for postseason play. 24 of our 31 teams will resume play. How soon the Canucks could resume their quest for the cup.
1: Two women targeted in Chinatown.
0: This was a random, unprovoked incident and would have been very terrifying for the victims. Why it's being
1: investigated as a hate crime.
0: And a granny goes too fast. I said to Roy, we gotta get away from this fella. Why she feels her ticket for excessive speeding is unfair. You're
2: watching Global BC. This is Global
0: News Hour at 6.
1: Good evening and thanks for joining us. We begin with breaking news that's bringing some excitement and hope to hockey fans left high and dry by the COVID 19 pandemic.
0: NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman has laid out the league's return to play plan, minus a few important details, but Squire Barnes has the highlights from Bettman's announcement, including when the Canucks could be back on the ice.
3: If all goes well, NHL players would be the new boys of summer, restarting their season at a time when they're normally
4: on vacation. While we are anxious to open camps as soon as possible, we don't envision doing so before the first half of July.
3: And if that's the case, and you figure at least two weeks for a training camp then the 24-team Stanley Cup tournament likely wouldn't start until early August.
4: Obviously, we anticipate playing over the summer and into the early fall. At this time, we are not fixing dates because the schedule of our return to play will be determined both by developing circumstances and the needs of our players.
3: Only the top 12 teams in each conference, based on points percentage, will keep playing. And that will include the Vancouver Canucks. The top four in each conference will get a bye into the round of 16. All the rest will be part of a play-in group. As for the Canucks, they would face Minnesota in a best-of-five series. That's a team they played three times this season. They lost to them twice, although the second loss wasn't a shootout. And the entire tournament will be played in two hub cities to be chosen from this list of ten. And since the Stanley Cup likely wouldn't be handed out until October at the earliest, the NHL is quite prepared to delay the start of next season.
5: The answer is we'll get through this season and and we'll make sure there's enough of a pause between the end of this season and next, and then we'll
4: and, and then we'll start up again.
0: All right, as you saw Bettman revealed Vancouver has been shortlisted as a hub city, but what are the chances we'll realistically be chosen?
1: South of the border, U.S. President Donald Trump has stated players will be excused from mandatory quarantine regulations due to COVID-19. However, as Richard Zussman reports, the same won't be true here.
4: It's a beauty pageant unlike one Vancouver has ever competed in. The NHL will decide over the next month what two cities will host playoff games. Vancouver has a lot going for it as a finalist hub city, a low rate of COVID spread, multiple professional arenas, including Rogers Arena for Games and potentially UBC, the Coliseum and Langley Event Centre for Practices, a low Canadian dollar and a history of hosting events with multiple teams.
6: If I was bringing my family from some part of uh, North America or indeed from Europe, uh, would I want to spend uh, a summer in Toronto? Edmonton or Vancouver. I think Vancouver speaks for itself.
4: But there are some negatives. That could be the nail in Vancouver's coffin. Currently the border between the U.S. and Canada is closed for all but essential travel. Other international travel is restricted and visitors coming here must quarantine for 14 days. We're not
7: bending the rules in any way that would um, put what we have achieved here in
4: B.C. at risk. So I've yet to see a plan. The NHL clear the league won't play games in Canada if the quarantine is still in place.
5: We won't be in a position uh, to use any of the Canadian cities as a hub city. Uh, So uh, we're faced with having to find a solution to that.
4: There's a chance the quarantine could be lifted June 21st when the current restrictions on the U.S.-Canada border are set to expire. Not hosting the games could mean a big loss in revenues for Vancouver, from hotel rooms to catering to charter bus rides.
8: For us, it's, it's going to be the eight weeks potential impact of them being, um, depending on what the final format will be. Looking at the 12 teams, um, we'll have to give an estimate pretty soon. <laughs> but we don't have the, the final details yet from the NHL.
4: And while Vancouver may or may not be chosen, local fans won't be missing out on in-person action. All the games will be played without fans. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria.
0: All right, back to Sports Director Squire Barnes now, who has more on all of this. Squire, so what happens if even a single player tests positive for COVID-19?
3: Well, if it's a single player, I think they would treat it like an injury. They would obviously separate that player. They would test the rest of the team and everybody who's been around him. And if everybody's fine, they will continue on. If there is a situation where there's an outbreak on a particular team, then you could see this whole plan being in serious jeopardy.
0: All right, thanks very much, Square.
1: So where does the league's return-to-play plan leave Canucks ticket holders? Let's bring in our Consumer Matters reporter,
9: Ann Drua. Will fans get their money back, Ann? Well, Sophie, yes and no. Single game and season ticket holders will have a couple of choices. There were a handful of home games left when the pandemic halted the season and the Vancouver Canucks are giving their fans two options. Now let's start with the single game ticket holders. The first is a credit to your Canucks Ticketmaster account that can be used to buy tickets for the 2020-2021 regular season home games. Option two is a refund to your original method of payment. Ticket holders would again log into their Ticketmaster account to request a refund. Six Canucks home games were left unplayed when the 2019-2020 regular season was initially paused in mid-March. The team recently emailed single game and season ticket holders about their choices. Season ticket holders can either get a refund or credit towards the next season, which includes perks like double food and beverage credits. Going forward, however, some ticket brokers say the business model for tickets, especially season ticket holders, is going to change. A couple scenarios
2: is your season tickets might only be good for every second game. So it gives everybody a chance to go to a game. So now you're down to half a season. And if you're down to half a season, that's uh, half the revenues that the team would have gotten that they're no longer getting anymore. And re- and then the next question is retention. Are people really wanting to go uh, sit in a building uh, where uh, there's a chance that uh, they can contract uh, COVID-19 prior to any vaccines being available?
9: Now, meantime, several of Canada's NHL teams have offered season ticket holders rebate or refund options and in some cases have even given ticket holders deadlines to make a decision. Sophie, Chris. All right, thanks for that, Ann.
0: A man has been arrested after a disturbing incident in Chinatown. Police say it's the latest in a series of COVID-related hate crimes against people of Asian heritage.
1: As Ted Trinecki tells us, police believe there are many more that are not being reported.
2: Right near the location of yet another racist attack, crews could be seen working on a portable surveillance camera system that the Vancouver police had purposely placed here about a month and a half ago.
10: Vancouver police arrested a man on Saturday afternoon after he smashed the window of a vehicle parked in Chinatown with two Asian women inside. While they were in the car, he yelled obscenities at them and then smashed a window with a chisel he was carrying in his backpack.
2: VPD say they believe the problem is bigger than what victims are reporting.
11: It is absolutely terrifying. And it's important for people to report incidents of verbal assault or vi- physical violence to the police. And it's important for people who aren't racialized to speak up and defend people who are. That cuts
12: like a knife.
2: After rocker Brian Adams posted a racist rant, for which he has since apologized, those sensitive to systemic racism have spoken up through social media.
11: Because nobody is safe when hate crimes are allowed to thrive. I think that Canadians as a whole have a lot more power against racist attacks than they might think that they do. And if we speak up collectively, together, we can get through this.
2: Police say the two occupants inside the vehicle Saturday afternoon when their windshield was smashed were not physically injured, but they were obviously traumatized.
8: The security and safety of people uh, in that area. It's really concerning and and it is very uh, distressing.
2: Since the pandemic hit in mid-March, anti-Asian hate crimes have spiked. VPD now has 30 separate files compared to four for the same period last year. None of the alleged assailants have yet been formally charged. In its latest case, the suspect, who is known to police, was arrested and has since been released with a promise to appear in court later. Ted Czernacki, Global News.
0: Now let's get an update on the COVID-19 numbers in our province. And there's a very positive development today. Just 11 new cases in B.C. in the past 24 hours, which means our total now sits at 2,541. Even better, no new deaths to report today. Keith Baldry has more on our flattening of the curve and what health officials are saying about school and summer activities for children.
7: I'm extremely pleased that today uh, for the first time in a while we've had no new deaths from COVID-19 in British Columbia.
6: It's the best news in weeks regarding the COVID-19 pandemic in this province. No deaths were announced today.
7: And we want to be able to do this every day. So no more families have to deal with the loss of somebody they love. So I encourage everybody to continue to show patience and understanding And have confidence that what we are doing is the best that we can to protect our families and our communities.
6: For days now, the most important numbers have stabilized. And the number of people who have the virus right now continues to drop. (laughs) Meanwhile, the resumption of classes in schools is just around the corner. And Dr. Bonnie Henry insists it will be a clean and safe environment for both kids and teachers to return to.
7: It is absolutely my expectation, and I know school districts and individual schools are working very hard to ensure that they do have those in place. In the school setting, um, the really important things that we're looking at are smaller numbers of students who stay together so they're not mixing through the day, staggering times to come in and leave, um, making sure that they can physically distance, and for the younger children, making sure that it's about not touching each other.
6: But while classes will resume for many, a summer Tradition will not. No overnight camps for kids this, this summer.
7: we're gonna stay here forever. Yeah, overnight uh, camps for school-aged children will not be, um, not be something that will be happening this summer in BC. And I can say my colleagues across the country, um, and in the U.S. as well, that's the same case.
0: All right. Keith Baldry joins us now live. Keith, the uh, media briefing today took a bit of a turn when we learned that Dr. Bonnie Henry was also recently honored by the Gitsan First Nation with a new name. Yes, it turns out on Friday there was
6: a big meeting uh, through Zoom, which which Dr. Henry participated in, in Hazleton, an elementary school in Gitsan territory, and she was bestowed an honorary name. You're going to hear her here uh, having trouble pronouncing it, but when she says what it actually means, I think you're going to see, uh, uh, agree that it's quite appropriate. Here's Dr. Henry.
7: I am so honored. Um, and yes, I was uh, bestowed a name. I was adopted by the Gitsan Nation. We had a lovely ceremony by Zoom on, on Friday, and I will try and uh, pronounce my name Gayatsan uh, Diep, which is uh, one who is calm among us. So I was very honored and flattered to receive this name and I absolutely will come and visit and I have committed to doing that as soon as we are able to.
6: So one who is calm among us I think that's rather fitting uh, given her performance the last two and a half months. No briefing tomorrow of course uh, but uh, Premier John Horgan will have his weekly availability. We'll be carrying that live on BC1 and Dr. Henry and Adrian Dix are back to briefing on COVID-19 on Thursday.
0: All right look forward to that. Thanks very much Keith.
1: Vancouver City Council is mulling a pair of motions that would significantly loosen up the rules on alcohol consumption. If passed, the new rules would allow for responsible drinking in public spaces, parks and beaches. Grace Key has the details.
13: With social distancing in place, having a drink with family and friends can be a challenge. Councilors Pete Fry and Michael Weeb have introduced a motion that would allow people to consume alcohol in select
4: public places. Especially for a lot of folks who are in small apartments and can't have friends over for a drink and, and have a, a bit of a social catch-up. And for a lot of uh, small restaurants that don't have the ability to actually expand a patio space.
13: Main Street and East 14th is one example of a public space where people could sit down for a drink while enjoying a meal from a nearby restaurant.
2: I think if people are treated like adults, uh, you know, if they're acting like adults, then it should be allowed to... Uh, continue.
12: Yeah, it should be fine. I mean, like everybody kind of already does already and they just have to conceal it. And they
13: kind of keep it to themselves and they're not too loud and obnoxious. I think it could be okay. Location, hours, washroom facilities, proximity to neighbors and complaint mechanisms are some of the things that would also have to be considered under this pilot project.
0: This is to actually have responsible social engagement where you might have a, a glass of wine with, with a meal or those kind of interactions. So... That's why we want to do it as a pilot. We want to be careful and thoughtful about it and make sure that it's not uh, the kind of thing that we would typically see on the
10: Granville Entertainment District.
13: Another motion encourages the Vancouver Park Board to amend its bylaws as quickly as possible to allow people to drink in parks and beaches. Both motions now go before committee meeting on Wednesday. Grace Key, Global News.
0: The pandemic has us all adapting to a new way of life, and that may include how we get around. The city of Vancouver is repurposing some roadways to support physical distancing. And Nadia Stewart shows us the planned changes coming to 50 kilometers of city roads.
14: On this street and many others in Vancouver, that's about as fast as the city wants people to go. That sounds amazing. Yeah? That sounds like just what we need right now. (laughs) Let's slow down a little. Wall Street in the city's northeast end has been designated a slow street part of a COVID-19 initiative to reduce speed and traffic on neighborhood streets, creating more space for people to walk, run, and ride while still maintaining physical distance.
6: What we saw early in the pandemic was that people were really wanting to get outside. You know, they were trapped at home, uh, wanting to get outside and exercise, and they were kind of all coming down to the seawall, all coming down to the beaches, and this was creating problems in terms of being able to physically distance.
14: The Slow Street Network includes a 12 kilometer stretch from the new Brighton Park area over to South Canby around Queen Elizabeth Park. These were already low volume neighborhood streets. It's incumbent on the city to monitor this, to study it, to look and really tweak the model as you roll this out. SFU City Program Director Andy Yen says the pandemic is renewing the argument for a shorter commute to work while also presenting a challenge to the city around who gets more street access.
4: It comes into the greater challenge of curb management, that there's going to be, I think, all these demands on the curb, whether it means additional space for physical distancing rules, but then also pickup and delivery that's probably going to be a means through which small businesses can survive in Vancouver.
14: And as it navigates managing demand, the Coalition of Vancouver Neighbourhoods hopes the city will include residents in the conversation.
5: It helps if uh, the neighbourhoods through which these uh, streets are being created Uh, know what's going on, maybe could even add some uh, local intelligence to uh, what and where and how these things are established.
14: Just how long these slow streets will stick around will depend on both resident feedback and how the pandemic continues to evolve. Nadia Stoke, Global News.
1: A granny caught going way over the speed limit and now facing nearly $3,000 in penalties. How this speedy senior got busted and why she says at least part of it is unfair. That's in just over a minute. Pain and suffering at long-term care centres in Ontario. The terrible truth uncovered by the Canadian military. And what happens next? That's coming up
0: on the News Hour. Also, the dress rehearsal for a return to manned space flight coming up later.
1: Right now, though, a 70-year-old Nanaimo grandmother is speaking out tonight after being ticketed for excessive speeding.
0: She admits to driving over the limit, but says the punishment definitely does not fit the crime. Brad McLeod reports.
15: I broke the law. I don't mind paying a fine but I don't like the idea of taking my car away and leaving me standing on the side of the road.
10: 72-year-old Penny Jean Hamilton was caught speeding Saturday afternoon near Ladysmith.
15: Sirens went off, lights are going. I said, oh, I've been tagged.
10: She says the RCMP officer was unfazed by
15: her age. He says, do you know how fast you're going? I said, Ooh, no, I'm not. But I know I was speeding because I was trying to get past the little black car and the chipper
10: truck. But 120 in a 70 zone qualifies as excessive.
12: The penalties are significant. It's a $368 fine. The vehicle is automatically impounded for 7 days, and then there's the driver risk premium, which is an annual premium once a year for 3 years.
10: The pensioner says she can't afford the $2800 bill.
15: I have never had a speeding ticket. I've never had an
10: accident. I've been driving since I was 15. Criminal lawyer Kyla Lee heard about Hamilton. She decided there was a defense and took the case pro bono. A
15: little black car cut me off. So I braked, slowed down, and I said to Roy, we got to get away from this fella. He's not driving, he's erratic.
10: Saying she sped up to pass a dangerous situation.
12: It's the defense of necessity, which essentially excuses conduct that violates the law, so long as there was an imminent threat or the driver was facing imminent peril.
10: The RCMP's South Island Traffic Service did not return our inquiries in time for broadcast.
5: And you think he'd have been a little more uh, forgiving. Than, and she's a very good driver, too.
10: I thought I was. <laughs> yeah. Hamilton will dispute her ticket, but the big fines will loom.
4: It's
12: not likely that this individual is going to have a day in court for probably about a year.
10: No matter what the verdict, she'll be on the hook for towing and storage.
15: I don't understand why he did it so severe.
10: Brad McLeod, Global News.
0: Up next, diagnosing COVID-19 with a wave of the wand. An effective new tool to save patients a lot of agony. Mm. Also,
1: a New York woman apologizes after her racist tirade goes viral. It's a busy afternoon commute for Highway 1, both directions here in North Vancouver. A, a bit of a lane shift as you make your way around Ling Creek Bridge and Fern Street overpass is under construction as well. Kermac Collision Auto Glass have been family run and locally owned since 1973. For unmatched quality repairs and exceptional service, choose Kermac. For location information, visit kermac.com. In Global One, I'm Matt burr
0: Vancouver police responded to three unrelated stabbings all in the downtown east side. The first reported incident happened yesterday afternoon near Hastings and Main Streets where a 20-year-old man was stabbed. Several hours later, a 34-year-old man was stabbed near Carroll and East Cordova Streets. And then just before 6 o'clock this morning, Another stabbing, this time near Gore and Hastings Street. Police say in that incident, a group of people tried to rob another group and two people ended up being taken to hospital and a suspect was arrested. Police say there is no further threat to the public.
1: The province is investing in a grassroots initiative to help support vulnerable residents on the downtown east side. $200,000 will go toward a peer program offering training and paid work experience to a group of residents active in the downtown east side community. The trainees will help support their peers with social distancing measures and share important health information from Dr. Bonnie Henry
5: throughout the COVID-19 pandemic peer support workers have
0: been on the front lines. They've helped people access resources they need and they've done that in ways that engage people uh, who who they understand and have a, a close affinity with.
16: Peer workers will be recognized for their leadership and lived experience and we will continue to support them with the training they need to leverage
7: their
1: knowledge for future job opportunities. Money for the program is coming from the Canada-B.C. Workforce Development Agreement.
0: Science fiction has become science fact for doctors in B.C.'s rural regions, and it's helping them deal with the COVID-19 outbreak.
1: They are now armed with high-tech handheld ultrasound units that provide critical information about a patient's condition instantly. Linda Aylesworth reports. COVID-19 has challenged all
12: communities but those living in rural cities like Fernie have unique issues to cope with.
8: As always uh, in rural areas you're uh, far away from the advanced technology and advanced technology at this particular moment in time means we're Uh, not able to get uh, rapid testing for COVID. And we're just going to have a look at your heart. But thanks to the Point of Care Ultrasound for COVID
12: project, 50 rural BC communities now have handheld ultrasound units to help diagnose their patients quickly. Good, and take a big breath in.
8: Because there's certain findings with lung ultrasound that uh, go along with COVID, It can really help us decide whether this patient is suffering from COVID or suffering from some other uh, cause. It can help
10: bring testing to places that have challenges with current testing pathways. It can help identify high-risk patients much faster.
12: Handheld ultrasound has been used in emergency departments for years. But the COVID-19 crisis accelerated the move to get them out into remote BC communities. Dr. Frankel, one of the project leaders, says these little units have real advantages over traditional models.
10: Traditionally, these ultrasound machines have been large and cart-based uh, and first, they required specialized practitioners to do very elaborate scans.
12: Their bulk and complexity make
8: them time-consuming to clean, not so with a handheld unit. Now with COVID, there's extra concerns um, about contamination. So being able to sterilize the probe between patients quickly and easily um, is a big bonus. Another advantage, physicians in the point-of-care project don't have to be ultrasound experts to get expert results because they'll be connected to a network of specialists. And I can get immediate, real-time feedback. So we're really upping our game in terms of the expertise available uh, to rural patients and to rural doctors. Linda
1: Aylesworth, Global News. Up ahead, a failure to care for the elderly. The trenches of hell. That's what he died in. Families horrified to learn about the last days of their loved ones.
0: And too many people using hand sanitizer wrong, what they're doing instead. At BC Children's Hospital, the heroes don't wear capes. They sit beside us, walk with us, and never stop searching for answers. Help the heroes. Join us for Miracle Weekend, May 30th on Global BC.
1: It's a nice sunny afternoon commute across the Alex Fraser Bridge with four lanes southbound and three northbound. It's a nice afternoon drive for you here at the Alex. Sussex Insurance are your auto plan experts for insurance renewals, changes, or other ICBC transactions all from home. Just visit sussexinsurance.com. In Global One, I'm Amber Bowser.
0: The Canadian military has released the shocking results of its deployment into five nursing homes in Ontario. Operation Laser uncovered unspeakable neglect and suffering at those long-term care centres. Global's Morgan Campbell spoke to some of the heartbroken family members who lost loved ones.
16: June Morrison and Kathy Parks have bonded through unimaginable tragedy. COVID-19 claimed the lives of their fathers inside this Pickering long-term care home riddled with COVID-19. It's hard now to see it
14: and to know what happened in there. I have a hard time.
16: But their grief has been amplified as details surrounding what is alleged to have gone on inside the walls of Orchard Villa are released to the public. They are grim and gut-wrenching
13: if you want to call it like the trenches of hell, that's what he died in and he was saved for getting a few days in the hospital to be treated better. But look at all the others who have died here.
16: The Canadian military was deployed into five homes to assess infection control measures. At Orchard Villa, members allege they found patients were left in soiled diapers without linens. One resident is alleged to have choked to death. The report suggesting the fact they were fed while lying down could have been a contributing factor. According to the report, staff, including doctors, weren't using personal protective equipment properly. No one was held accountable for not upholding the basic care needs of residents. All this was happening as food rotted and cockroaches allegedly roamed to the facility.
4: Reading those reports was the hardest thing I've done as premier.
16: The scathing reports into the homes were released in their entirety. The premier called for reform and potential criminal charges.
4: There's going to be justice. There's going to be accountability. That, that's what I'm going to tell them or I'm telling them right now we're going to get down to the bottom of it.
16: The province is putting together a commission that will look into how long-term care homes in the ministry handled COVID outbreaks. But for families who lost loved ones, they want to see something done now.
13: If uh, Premier Ford is true to his word, come hell or high water, he's going to correct something.
8: I think you need to get in here now. No more waiting, no more waiting. The damage is done. It's beyond shocking to me, and I don't know how we let it get to this.
16: Advocacy groups, families, and the opposition have asked for a full inquiry into the province province's long-term care system it's a step the government has been reluctant to take morgan campbell global news
1: two more racially charged incidents are making headlines in the u.s. tonight the fbi is investigating a possible civil rights violation after a black man died while in police custody in minneapolis
4: please
0: please
1: please 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 Video shows the victim on the ground at one point with an officer kneeling on his neck, begging for help and saying he can't breathe. The officers had been called to reports of a possible forgery. After several minutes, the man stops moving. An ambulance is called, but he's pronounced dead. The city's mayor holding nothing back in his outrage.
6: For five minutes, we watched as a white officer pressed his knee into the neck of a black man for five minutes. When you hear someone calling for help, you are supposed to help. This officer failed in the most basic human sense to the black community, to the family, I'm so sorry.
1: All four officers who were involved have now been fired, but state and federal officials are still investigating.
0: A New York woman who's gone viral for all the wrong reasons is apologizing for her actions in a video that has sparked widespread outrage. I'm
12: going to tell them there's an African-American man threatening my life.
0: Amy Cooper was recorded on video by Chris Cooper, No Relation, for illegally having her dog off leash. Almost immediately, she calls the police and says she's being threatened.
12: There is an African American man. I am in Central Park. He's recording me threatening myself and my dog. I'm being threatened by a man in the Ramble. Please
16: send the cops
4: immediately. At some point, she decided that, you know, oh, I'm going to play the race card. I'm not going to participate in my own dehumanization. I'm not going to feed into
12: this. It was unacceptable. You know, and words are just words, and I can't undo what I did. But I, I sincerely and humbly apologize to everyone, especially to that man, his, his family.
0: Despite her apology, her employer, investment firm Franklin Templeton, has announced she's been fired. Her now deleted LinkedIn and Instagram profile suggest she might be Canadian, leading to calls that she be deported from the U.S.,
1: the province has announced new funding to expand support services for victims of violence during the pandemic. Ending Violence Association of BC is getting a $10 million grant to expand its community-based programs. Agencies that help victims of sex assault and other forms of gender-based violence have seen a huge uptick in calls for help since COVID-19 restrictions began. Officials say they expect the number of victims coming forward for help to increase as lockdown measures are lifted.
12: So while people are still being asked to uh, shelter in place or stay home, uh,
1: survivors aren't free to call a community-based victim assistance program or other service to reach out for help. Um, and I think our programs are, are bracing themselves for um, what, uh, what we've been hearing uh, from China is that after the lockdown uh, was lifted there was a, an onslaught of survivors searching for help.
0: The B.C. Center for Disease Control says there's been a significant increase in the number of cases of people, mainly children, accidentally ingesting hand sanitizer. The Drug and Poison Information Center says they've gone from fewer than two calls a week to seven. The increased exposure is due to the increased prevalence of hand sanitizer in our lives, as well as the new types of packaging being used by the growing number of breweries and distilleries that are now making sanitizer. The CDC says there have not been any serious incidents, but they warn the high alcohol content of hand sanitizer can be dangerous to small children.
1: Still ahead, it's almost time to lace up the skates again.
4: Our players and our teams are clear that they want to play.
1: How soon the postseason could start with the Canucks included.
0: And how a food bank worker received an honor usually reserved for elite athletes.
5: To the community frontline workers, thank you for all you do for all of us. Watch Global News at noon when we tell your stories and show our appreciation for your continued service. Visit globalnews.ca/frontline champions in partnership
0: with Fortis, BC, and IGA. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. T minus about 19 hours to America's return to manned space flight. The dress rehearsal coming up right after Yvonne's weather forecast.
1: Did you set your calendar
0: uh, It's on my alarm. alarm.
1: <laughs> See how high tech.
0: Good luck.
1: Very high tech. All right, uh, meteorologist Yvonne Shell is here in the studio with us tonight. Uh, you know, it wouldn't be a nice night to be outside, though.
11: Yeah, it would be nice for some patio weather. We were kind of talking about that during the break, uh, but it's fantastic. It's going to remain dry. We do have some sunshine on tap and a bit of a blip in the forecast, and I'll show you more in just a moment. Temperatures right now sitting at 16. We bumped up to 17 degrees. The average for this time of the year sits at 18. A beautiful shot that was captured early this morning, Spanish So Thank you so much, John, for that great photo. Here's what we are looking at. There is a system that is offshore, but it is still going to remain dry across all areas for the province. A ridge of high pressure is going to build in, but we are going to see more cloud cover building in or moving in by tomorrow afternoon and cloud cover on Thursday, but still remaining dry. Overnight temperatures will dip down to nine, plenty of sunshine for the morning hours, and then that cloud cover is going to roll in. Temperatures tomorrow, though, 20 by the water. Areas away, we'll get up to 23 and 24 degrees. Now, a ridge is going to start to build in. We will see temperatures away from the water and likely the peak of it on Friday across Metro Vancouver. The concern for Cache Creek in many areas in the interior with the temperatures rising as we approach the weekend and potentially up to 30 degrees, warm temperatures and the snow melt. So, the Bonapide River... And uh, just below it in Cache Creek, Flood Watch is in effect. High stream flood advisory for the following areas that are in yellow. Check in with the BC River Forecast Centre for the latest. Now, we are going to see more cloud cover for the northern half of the province by the afternoon. It's sunshine for both the central and southern half. A nice bright start to the morning across the south coast. And then cloud cover moving in towards the afternoon. Warm and sunny. We may see some showers popping in on our Saturday. But temperatures tomorrow getting up to 24 away from in the water tonight's weather window central windows this one was taken by jason kayaking in english bay guys gorgeous
0: bragging again out here on the west (laughs) coast aren't we all right, thanks for that. Thank a you. big dress rehearsal at Cape Canaveral in Florida today.
1: The two U.S. astronauts who will spearhead America's full return to space travel suited up and climbed into their Dragon capsule atop a SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket. Bob Benkin and Doug Hurley will travel to the International Space Station tomorrow, lifting off from Cape Canaveral in the first manned launch of a spacecraft from U.S. soil in almost nine years.
0: And. If you are thinking that those new flight suits look pretty sleek, you're not alone. Take a look at how today's suits compare to the suits worn by astronauts on the space shuttle missions in the 80s and 90s and up to 2011, and to the ones worn by astronauts on the Apollo missions back in the 60s and 70s. If nothing else, technological advances have made space travel a lot more comfortable. Amazing.
3: I like the old Apollo ones. They look <laughs> yeah. official. The guy's got to carry his oxygen. There's tubes sticking out of the dude. I like the
1: orange ones.
0: The new ones look like they're, they're going for a motorcycle ride in <laughs> the <this> corner.
1: <laughs> all right, uh, Squire, you led the, t- uh, the show tonight, and uh, hockey fans are sure excited. Yes. Well, the NHL wants to come back. We all know that now. But in order to
3: keep it back, they're going to have to keep the players safe from COVID-19.
5: Uh, testing twice at least twice weekly uh, and perhaps more
3: we'll talk about what the league's thoughts are on whether things would keep going if a player should get sick during the stanley cup tournament
1: also tonight a big surprise in a box of cereal for this food bank worker
0: All right, the NHL talking about getting things going again, and uh, Vancouver fits nicely into that plan too. Here's Squire.
3: Well, at least we know they'll get to play a few more games. Mm -hmm. They're not going to be one of the seven sitting on the sidelines. And uh, yes, we now know the NHL wants to finish what it started this season, and it'll have to do that by going a route it's never gone before. And they will have to deke out the virus that has caused all this upheaval. But the coronavirus is still going to be around when they start playing this summer. And their main task will be keeping everyone in a bubble to keep the virus from stopping the league again.
5: Lots
6: of stature. Scores! There are countless what-if questions regarding the return of the National Hockey League. The biggest what-if, and it's something we've all discussed out loud regarding NHLers playing again, is this one. What-if one case happened. One morning you wake up, Bill, and you get a result, and you call Gary and you say, well, this player X got positive. Is it going to be all over again, or you're prepared to deal with the situation and still go on?
5: The the bottom line is, obviously, that's a key question, uh, Frankie, and, and something we've been uh, in constant communication with our medical advisors on. Uh, their thought process at this point in time is that uh, one s- single positive test, uh, depending on the circumstance, should not uh, necessarily shut the whole uh, operation down. Uh, obviously we can't be in a situation where we have an outbreak and that will uh, affect our ability to continue playing. Uh, but a single positive test uh, or isolated positive tests uh, throughout you know, a two month tournament um, uh, should not necessarily uh, mean an end to the tournament.
6: The NHL has stated time and time again, player safety is priority number one if and when it comes to dropping the puck again. So how does the league plan on doing business during this ongoing pandemic? We
5: will have a uh, uh, daily testing protocol where players are tested uh, every evening uh, and uh, those results are obtained uh, before they would leave their hotel rooms the next morning. Um, so uh, we'll know if we have a positive test and whether the player has to self-quarantine himself as a result of that positive test. If you're looking for a number, uh, we could be doing 25 to 30,000 tests.
3: Okay, so with it being official that the NHL wants to start again, the regular season is now over. That means Quinn Hughes ended up leading all rookies in scoring, not just rookie defensemen, but rookie forwards as well. Although in fairness to Colorado, defenseman Cale McCarr, who was second in rookie scoring, Hughes played 11 more games and he did. He also scored only three more points. And I'm going to tell you now, and I don't think it's a big secret, that one of those two, Hughes or McCarr, will be the NHL's Rookie of the Year. All right. Bundesliga to to soccer today. It's One of the best young players in Germany, Erling Haaland taking on another good young player in Germany, Alfonso Davies of Bayern Munich. This is Dortmund against Munich. And watch Davies again take him on. Holland is loose, Davies, too fast. Gets back, makes a clean check. And Davies puts on a little skill here. Almost resulted in danger, but he was knocked off the ball.
0: Only goal of the game,
3: Joshua Kimmich with a nice little Rachel chip, from no and Bayern Munich is closer is to another way. Bundesliga title with a 1-0 win over Dortmund today.
0: See, Davy's doing well. He is doing well. There you go. All right, thanks, Squire. Here's Andrew, and now the preview of Global News at 11. Ann?
9: Thanks, Chris. A young mountain biker has suffered a potentially life altering injury in a crash on the Sunshine Coast. It happened on the trails above the Langdale Ferry this afternoon. We'll have more details on what exactly happened and the particular risk he took. And we'll hear from the family of a man who disappeared after walking away from Royal Columbian Hospital wearing only a gown and slippers over the weekend. The concerns the father has about how the situation. Was handled. Those stories and more when you join us tonight at 11 o'clock. Chris, Sophie. All right. Thanks very much, Ann.
1: Stick around up next tonight's healthcare hero and three cheer EOs for a frontline worker. All right, it is time to recognize our BC healthcare heroes on the front lines of the COVID-19 pandemic.
0: Excellent nominations tonight for two heroes, and it comes from two people. Meredith and her colleague, Sarah, want to recognize Nav and Christine, who are physiotherapists at Abbotsford Regional Hospital. Both Nav and Christine have gone above and beyond to provide physical rehab to COVID-19 patients at the hospital, helping them when they are extremely vulnerable barely able to sit in a chair, and working with them to the point where these patients are able to return home. And in addition, they have taken on more duties to protect and support their colleagues.
1: Meredith and Sarah say Nev and Christine are team players, always willing to go the extra mile for their patients and colleagues. Thank you, Nav and Christine, for being healthcare heroes during this difficult time for BC. If you have a healthcare hero or two you'd like to nominate, send us an email with some pictures and details about what makes them your healthcare hero to bchealthcareheroes at globalnews.ca.
0: The woman in charge of the Surrey Food Bank is getting a special nod from cereal maker General Mills.
1: Fiza Jafar has been chosen as one of five food bank employees featured on Cheerios cereal boxes. Her picture and title displayed on the trademark yellow box under a banner that says, Cheer on the Front Lines. The campaign was supposed to celebrate Canadian athletes. But because the Summer Olympics have been postponed, the company teamed up with Food Banks Canada instead.
14: Even though my face is on the box, it's really talking about the hard work that everybody in food banks do. Like our staff here, our volunteers here, all the other food banks in BC, all across the country. Uh, Like we're on the front lines, we're helping people with uh, immediate challenges and it's really great to see that even though my face is on the box, it's really saying a different message and and a more positive message.
0: A great team effort. The Cheerios boxes, by the way, will be in stores next week. Way to go, Fisa.
1: That's so cool. Awesome. <laughs> she said when she first got it, it was empty. But I, Yeah, you that, kind of expect <laughs> it to be
3: full of cereal, don't you? But <laughs> if they use your likeness, at least give you some free cereal. Yeah. Give
1: me some cereal. That's the display one, though.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer the honey, not variety. Uh, okay. Uh, let's check in with Yvonne just before we uh, go here for a look at the forecast. It certainly looks pretty good.
11: Yeah, it's going to be nice. We do have some dry weather. Temperatures are actually going to warm up as we get in towards the next few days, but there is some cloud cover that is going to roll in. Thursday, that'll likely be the blip, but still remaining dry. And then Friday, still quite warm. A bit of a break or a bit of a change will be on our Saturday, where we are looking at some showers popping up, but a pretty good looking forecast over the next three days.
0: All right, thanks, Yvonne. And the countdown to the resumption of the NHL continues.
1: (laughs) We'll be able to wear our Canucks gear again.
0: That's right. Thanks for watching, everybody.
1: Have a good night, all.